and we are recording for those of us yeah. who didn't realize that anything that we say and do can be recorded and held against us in a court of law. That's right. Now it is. <laughs> including including an alibi, by the way, in case there's a murder. Um, <laughs> I thought you point. weren't going to talk about that. Well, no, I, I'm just saying, you know, that clearly I can't be murdering right now because I'm... Uh, I'm having a conversation. But let's 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 get to the facts here. Uh, the show is done somewhat anonymously. Uh, you know, our 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 legal names on our passports are not used. But if I confess to the murder that uh, we took part in last week, could that be traced back to us? Well, yeah, and that that might be worse. Like the blowback on that might be worse than spending um, you know, spending years in prison. Uh, and i'm not just laughing that you used the word blowback which is always a fun one yeah but you know who likes to use that blowback uh the blowfish from hootie and the blowfish Mm, yeah he blows he is definitely uh you always wonder when he had that name if it was supposed to be a double entendre or he just was into scuba diving or something with marine life yeah i'm thinking the latter uh so they, we could be found out by the FBI or some other uh, organization if we did uh, get caught in the murder? Uh, yeah, well, I'm hoping we will be. I think it's actually, I mean, I could see some of these people that are, are now becoming part of our culture uh, in terms of the mass shootings and, and things like that. Because if you have nothing going for you and you're really at just sort of a low point in terms of feeling depressed and you, you have no kind of nothing positive around you at all. I would almost think the potential, even the potential for fame that you might accrue from uh, killing uh, is far greater than all the negativity happening in your life, which is sad, but I think possibly realistic. Thoughts, comments, mm-hmm. su- suggestions? <laughs> I'm worried about the blowback of anything that I say right now. Um, don't worry this ip address goes to my children (laughs) all the all the all the my kids would go to jail uh uh-huh um well uh let's see i don't know i i um i mean certainly that's the thing right like people kind of uh they're they're they want to be seen oftentimes these shooters they, they 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 spend their whole life being ignored unseen and they develop a lot of a lot of passive aggression and 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 there's a bit of an attempt there to be seen and recognized by uh by all the uh the crazy groups that that want to be seen and recognized for uh for whatever i think that that has to do a little bit with the american mentality of of wanting to be seen right like there's a little bit of that in the culture of america more so than i would say a lot of other cultures yeah, you, you bring up a good point because, the, you know, the, the Dutch, you know, where you are a resident, they don't try to stand out. They do the opposite, right? The Dutch, they try, the opposite, they, they, yeah. like many Northern Europeans, if not Europeans in general, they all try to, they all try to blend in almost as if they're communists. Um, but they only stand out because their sneakers tend to be slightly different than the other person's sneaker. Otherwise, they're tall people. They're tall, yeah. <laughs> but they're all tall, so they don't really stand out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they, they, they inherently 
try not to be the one who is louder or more flamboyant. I mean, the, the Dutch bicycle is a classic example of that. I mean, these are almost always very simple looking uh, basic bikes. Uh, whereas an American bicyclist, everybody's got a different bike. Um, even homeless people I notice in Chicago, this is not even trying to be funny, will have different types of bicycles. Um, it's like we do as a culture feel the need to show ourselves as being different, even though we're not much different than many other places where we are just a, a giant mass of sheep and followers who, uh, you know, sort of want to be led. Did you ever have that? Because you, I think, have always found a way of distinguishing yourself and, and, and maybe going against the stream and so many things that you do. Um, did you ever find yourself like with a kind of a almost like a, a doppelganger of yourself and, and, and realize, oh, my God, like, what am I doing that like I'm trying so hard and it's it's like there's, you know, this isn't this isn't distinguishing me. I'm just like I'm just like the others. Well, I think you bring up the ancient German, you know, myth slash reality of meeting your doppelganger. And uh, it did happen to me once before, and I found it frightening. I think, really? any, yeah, I think anyone has ever met your doppelganger. It's there's nothing fun about seeing a reflection of yourself because, you know, we we have an id in a and a, a super ego, and right, we all have a way that we perceive ourselves and how we think others perceive us. And what's frightening is when you meet somebody and it's one thing if it's aspirational, right? And you think that's the person you are. But a lot of us deep down inside, we all know who we really are. And so when you meet somebody who's sort of a reflection of that, this kind of person you're not always comfortable with, it, Mm. it, it really is fucking stings to the, to the point of, you know, you, you, you want to leave the conversation, but you keep finding yourself pulled back in. It's the equivalent of kind of sticking your finger in your ass to scratch and you go back for a second and third smell, even though it still smells like shit. <laughs> what, what was your encounter with your doppelganger? I'm curious. Uh, many years ago in India, at a, this is completely true. <laughs> this is just a true story. Not again. He was not an Indian. Uh, it was a guy I met on ecstasy at a rave. Um, in a very non-sensual conversation. Um, he was an Australian guy. Um, and we ended up talking forever. Um, and like everything I did, he was sort of like a parrot of, of what, like he had his, he had this exact same story and eventually we kind of traced it back to youth. And, uh, yeah, he was just, it was like everything about our lives was too similar. Now, it's possible that the ecstasy was sort of making that convoluted so that it sort of seemed that way. But in my mind, it was very real. And uh, I was very I was very bothered by it. It made me very uncomfortable, but I couldn't pull myself from the conversation because in recognizing all of this, it was A, I'm not so unique because here's this other random guy who has the exact same life story as me. Um, and two he was not an aspirational figure, mm. right? He was not somebody that I meet and say, wow, man, I, I really want to be friends with this guy. And he wasn't mm. a, necessarily an asshole or a loser or some other you know, pejorative term for somebody, but he just wasn't. <laughs> I think we just had a, uh, a meteor shower. What happened there? <laughs> 
I don't know. I kind of lost you for a split second there. <laughs> um, anyway, that whatever that uh, kerfuffle was, that sort of sums up my meeting with the doppelganger and realizing that uh, I don't really want to meet somebody that's truly like me. Right. And, what, what, what has been your experience? E, huh? Well, the E wasn't... Um... The E wasn't helpful. Like usually, the E makes you kind of fall in love with everyone. But you're I think saying that, that that's what even, made it correct. Even in a state of loving, you hated yourself. <laughs> that even says more about me. Now it was the state in ecstasy when you're towards the end, right? It's the kind of it's the chill out hours, the sort of like the 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 final drags of, of the pill kind of slowly coursing through your body. Um, when it happened, and, and no, that, that's part of what kept me in the conversation, and I think that's why I still remember it all these years later, and why it was so confounding, is it did feel good, like it, it felt great to be, as it does, and actually to connecting with another person, and just feeling very engaged with them, and, and, and physically feeling so comfortable, you know, right, like everywhere you sit, everything you touch, everything just felt good, and so that's kind of what heightens the story, so despite all of that, I still had this inner sort of thing happening within me, like, oh my God, like this is me. Like I like I I need to fucking do something with my life because <laughs> all of these things aren't really so interesting because he has the exact same life story um, and interests and pursuits. I mean, everything. It was it was freaky. My, my girlfriend at the time ended up meeting this guy and she was like so-and-so whatever the fuck his name was so much like you and then i was like can we swing like i, I think he had a girlfriend i'm like and i remember i think i tried to propose it but she wasn't she wasn't that high i'm, I'm surprised you both didn't say it at the same time you and you and the doppelganger <laughs> you know i don't recall I, I think he was there single i think he was like one of these guys that goes to a swingers party and like doesn't oh, bring, right. and doesn't bring a partner <laughs> greedy yeah, yeah. <laughs> very, very very greedy <laughs> he, he, he was he was trying to get my my lady um have you had a doppelganger experience where you thought oh god this is me and and just to be clear what we're talking about is very different than friendship right like you know i very much enjoy your company and spending time mm -hmm. with you and like you but i clearly appreciate the differences we have and so we're talking about basically you know, meeting a clone of yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I think I've had that a few times. I mean, what's interesting is uh, what you said, like the, you know, the doppelganger, is it, is it in your eyes or is it in somebody else's eyes? In which case they're projecting, you know, they might be saying, this is you, man. And you're looking at that person going, what? This isn't me. Uh, but, but for them, they're convinced. So for yeah. example, in the Netherlands, uh, in Amsterdam, Apparently, I have a look-alike, which is maybe not the same because I don't know him and I don't know what his personality is like. But but according to Dutch people, at least, they think I really look like him. And in reality, I think we have the same hair, but that's where kind of the similarities end. But for yeah. but it's one of those examples like Dutch people can't tell non-Dutch people apart, similar to, you know, everybody who is in a homogenous culture is. It's, it's difficult for them to really see the distinguishing features. Um, so it's kind of funny. Every, every once in a while, I'll hear uh, people calling me Mark. 
and they think I'm this guy named Mark. And I know this guy. I mean, I don't know him personally, but I know him via via other people. And uh, and and you know, I've seen a picture. I could see why people identify me as him. Uh, you know, I'm not gonna say they're crazy. But it's interesting because he. Uh, I, I'd love to meet him at some point. I even got a couple of texts recently from people who were like, "Hey, I thought I saw you on a bike the other day, and I was. I, I haven't been on a bike in a long time, so." I know it wasn't me. And I'm thinking it's probably that guy, Mark. Um, I, I think it'd be cool to hook up with your doppelganger. Yeah, I think so too. I think it'd be interesting. <laughs> you know, the, the remember... idea... Go yeah. ahead. I'm just no, thinking no, people have often said like, you know, giving yourself, you know, jerking off, giving yourself a hand job. If you just had someone else's hand there, you've pretty much solved the entire, <laughs> you know, issue. In this case, you would basically be doing that. I mean, it, it is... It is you, but physically a different hand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the the, Ger the Germans word. probably actually have a word for that because they have a word for every bizarre thing. Yeah, that's so right. So this would be, I mean, I think that, is, that would be doppelganger actually because I think doppel is the, the, the look, but I, I think it's interesting if they have a word for like a soul, a soulmate essentially, uh, someone who is, or a, a soul similar or something like that. But Schwickenganger. Um, a schmeckeschmacker. A schmeckeschmacker. I've, and uh, yeah, and otherwise, like sometimes, you know, you run into people that uh, they, they indeed, they kind of like, there's this, there's this genuine excitement because they, you have a good connection with them. And then suddenly they reveal some stories about their past. And there's a child in you that's like screaming, me too, like I did that too, or I came from the same background uh, in, you know, in anticipation, I think, of like finding your, you know, like someone who ultimately, I think what we're searching for is someone who can understand us better than anyone else can. And we think that in order for someone to understand us better than anyone else can, they need to have gone through the exact same journey that we had. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't disagree. And maybe this only just speaks to what everybody knows or, or should know or wants to know, which is, you know, just being a little bit more attracted to an opposite or the yang on your yin, right? Like somebody too similar to you can actually be a turnoff. Yeah. But you, you, you brought up more of the physical doppelganger or the, or the classic one, um, which I, yeah, I've definitely had in my life. And I am nothing but disappointed every time it happens every yeah. time someone's like oh this person looks just like you and <laughs> and, I, and that's where i realized that i have a totally deluded view of myself because how can it be that every time i've been shown this person i'm always like god that's who i look like really right that, that's what you think it's it's never the the person in my head that i think i look like <laughs> and i'm always <laughs> like god like I, everything about like the, the body type the face the hair i'm just like that's that's not very attractive. <laughs> do you think I, I, that for do you think that for someone who's like a racist of any sort, like I'm not saying white to black, I'm saying you know white to Asian, Asian to other Asians, doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. If you are a racist, does that mean that you kind of um, think that whoever's race you kind of hate against that they're actually all doppelgangers because you cannot tell them apart? I think that's part of critical race theory <laughs> and structural and structural and systemic racism. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. 
Yeah, I don't. I think you said it before about homogenous cultures uh, not being able to differentiate. I mean, I always jokingly call it the uh, the Asian complex, which now is very inappropriate with the rise of anti-Asian sentiment in America. Yeah. Thank, thank you, Trump Wuhan conspirators. Um, yep. Thank you. But yeah, th thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Truly, I, thank I, you. <laughs> I, I am so happy I no longer have to take that business trip to Wuhan that I have been forced to do for so many years. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, 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 I don't even know if it's, I, I think it might be psychically uh, impossible for, for many people to tell the difference in another race. Yeah. You know, because if you don't have enough familiarity with the people, you sort of are, are just seeing nothing more than, uh, you know, very surface traits. Um, and, and at some point, you know, it just blurs. And I think it takes time and getting to know people to really, you know, see those differences. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe racism is the wrong word. Maybe we've been falsely accusing people of something they're not. Yeah, that's true. But I, I think that would be considered racist, wouldn't it? <laughs> I think so. I think you went a bit too far there. <laughs> that theory alone would be considered racist. Yeah. I guess you can't get away with just saying they're human. You can't. That cop's just human. He's just doing what, what humans do. <laughs> you know, how, how was he supposed to know? The man was resisting arrest. Yeah. He didn't look at the color of his skin. He just shot him. <laughs> he would have shot a white person. Which I want. Yeah. You know, there, there's 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 so much in the states that that has been coming out in terms of you know, data releases because it, it seems so problematic here. Um, and when they release the stats, there are a shitload of white people shot by the cops every year. Um, I, I believe the number, I might be butchering it, but it's something like half of all people shot are white and a quarter are black. And, you know, maybe uh, another half of that quarter are Hispanic and a, a half are the famous other. So, mm -hmm. um, Blacks are still disproportionately represented, but there's a shitload of white people who are getting shot by cops. Mm -hmm. Now in Holland, it's probably none, right? Just Taze. Are the Moroccans uh, are the Moroccans getting shot? Do they shoot the Moroccans? I mean, yeah, I think there's a little bit of uh, of that happening. Like uh, people who are, um, I mean, every every. I think I mean not to defend it in any way, but I think it's just. I think it's it is a human thing to try to find your tribe and uh, and and people who look like you and uh, speak like you and if they don't then there's the other and the other is scary and the other is dangerous and you know that whole story so uh, and 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 it's uh, we're competitive at least within uh, capitalist society so we're um, you know trying to. Uh, better ourselves and 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 sometimes the other is considered the enemy or that we're fighting for the same resources so uh all this to say that you know racism is not a bad thing yeah as as that small country in the uh middle east between lebanon and egypt has proven so well <laughs> it works to everybody's benefit or not everybody loves racism yeah yeah <laughs> What would that's, we talk about if we didn't have racism? That's the t-shirt I'm dying to wear around the neighborhood. Yeah. My progressive Chicago neighborhood. <laughs> really just want to see like progressives fume with, with 
pure hatred get them to get their machetes out of the kitchen yeah and, and chase after me but the the police in holland i don't even think that they carry guns uh yeah they do i think they carry guns uh yeah it's not like england where uh some police don't carry guns i think they pretty much all do uh they are they're a lot less likely to use it i think like there there's some really cool uh clips on youtube showing um you know police trying to like subdue like a person or something and and you can really see that they're they're doing everything in their power not to use the gun it's like that that's the last that's that's the last thing that they draw on uh when they uh when they're um chasing people uh chasing people down to to the point where they can sometimes get their ass kicked by uh by people but they will not draw their guns so, so what do you think it is when you see these stories in america and i know you have a good friend i think that uh had lectures on this or is somehow yeah. involved in like the um the mindset and intellectual component of uh, policing you know what, what have you seen as a major difference in, in the policing in the states versus uh, either Europe or the Middle East where you've lived. Yeah, I think people just have, they actually have guns. So uh, so what are you gonna do? Like people are, are genuinely afraid, cops are afraid. I mean, their lives are literally in danger. Here you might get your ass kicked by a criminal, but you're not gonna, you're most likely not gonna get shot because- oh, I, I, see what, I see what you mean. The, the, the police are already living in fear because oh, yeah. these, these, these criminals have, they know they probably have guns and in many cases they can see the gun. Um, yeah. So do, do you think it's maybe easier said than done that I think in the, in the public, a lot of times we're saying, well, just train them. Like, you know, don't worry that they have a gun. Like they're not gonna shoot you, just subdue them. But when you're in that position, you fear for your life and so it's hard to think rationally yeah I, I think that's probably what it is uh there's you know there's some systemic things that obviously you can improve like uh i don't know to what extent they do that but in in the states but like for example here in the netherlands in my neighborhood and every neighborhood in amsterdam has what's called a neighborhood agent so like a person who actually walks around in the streets gets to know the people, gets to know the trouble people, but like is actually there to be of service uh, rather than someone who just maintains uh, order. And, uh, and, and I think that used to be a thing in the States. I mean, you, you know, in old movies, you'd see like the sort of the beat cop and, uh, and, and uh, apparently now because they're all driving around in cars most of the time and also the the, the structure of, of society and cities is, is, is more spread out that uh, basically they don't, you know, they don't, they don't have that level of familiarity. So everyone is the other. And there's a lot of fear. I can, I can understand the fear. I can understand how it can lead people to draw their guns first thing uh, to, to defend themselves. Yeah, there's been a lot of talk over the years of trying to bring back the beat cops and, and they a lot of police departments seem to have tried it in to certain degrees but not to the you know propensity it once was i mean you gotta admit if you can just sit in your car all day it's very tempting for people versus walking yeah yeah um, i completely understand the the take there but it is it is healthier of course to walk the the ultimate study has been uh uh, in the, I think in the 1950s or 60s, there was a study done in, in, the, in, in Britain where they, they just 
uh, took the drivers of the double-decker buses and the conductors. Uh, and, you know, they, they, they all come from similar backgrounds, similar race, all that sort of stuff. Uh, and the conductors lived something like five, five more years. Uh, so, so there are advantages to walking. We all know that, of course, but uh, indeed, it's so comfortable to just be in a car. And, and it's also protected. You're definitely more, you feel more protected. Yeah. And what I've noticed in Chicago is it's also easy to find like a side street where I often see them just sitting in the car where nobody is passing by so that yeah. uh, they can do whatever they do when they're not quote unquote working. Um, I'm just, I'm just curious though, if, uh, if, if the police could, could have a, um, like a translator, right? That was, that was AI. So when they like, you know, oftentimes in the States, they're, you know, they're, they're dealing with people who are of, you know, different background than they are. Right. And mm -hmm. it's, and it's not always, you know, a white cop and a black, like, let's say you're, you know, a white cop and it's uh, kind of a meth head or something or, or redneck. Right. And he's kind of like, Shit, man! Well, I ain't got no goddamn thing going on. I, I, I ain't drinking. Uh, I'm not. Uh, fuck. Go fuck yourself, fucking pig. Fuck. And then, like this, AI, <laughs> this AI thing, this like thing in his phone, in in a voice that's also very soothing. It's not like the and turn left onto the next street. It doesn't have some computerized voice or a Siri voice. But it's it's almost like the, his doppelganger, but one he likes, you know, like his mm -hmm. his super ego. <laughs> and he says to the cop, he's like, "Yo, Brian, Brian, dude, Brian, we <laughs> like just, uh, things were things were tough this morning, Brian, and you know I got no money, and I was dating this girl. She left me for some other dude, and uh, I couldn't get to the gym. I couldn't get to the gym yesterday or the day before." I'm feeling flabby. Uh, I've had no chance to get any protein, no protein shakes. I got no bars. I got nothing, dude. And uh, fucking shit's tough, man. Shit's just really tough. And I I'm fucked up right now. But look, I'm not going to stay this way. I'll be cool. And, and it sounds like that through this cop's, <laughs> you know, phone. Yeah. And I think something like that might make him less prone to, uh, you know, arrest the, the meth head. Um, any thoughts on this technology, perhaps uh, working to improve policing? You have an example. Yeah, maybe you have an example you could do. I do. I do have an example. So one of our uh, participants from a program that I worked on, uh, her project is is super interesting. She she uh, she tries to create levels of empathy uh, for people who have psychosis, mm. and she designed a, a virtual reality, sorry, a, an augmented reality experience uh, that is meant for caregivers and police to understand um, what someone who is going through psychosis that they might be taking care of or arresting might, might be going through at that moment. Okay. And so, so by doing that, they, they understand how their words are being interpreted or, or why they're behaving this way or what would be the best action to take. Um, because, well, let's just say this, um, I have a friend who has uh, cats and uh, at one point had a dog and the cats and the dog, they don't get along well because they're so opposite in energy. 
so if the dog's happy, as you know, like they're just like, you know, they, they sometimes they bark and they're, they're, they're moving around and then the cats get very nervous because of it. Cause they don't, they don't act that way when they're happy. Um, so I think the same thing happens, you know, when you're seeing someone who has psychosis in this case, you're, you're just like, they're, um, they, they seem way more threatening than what they actually are. So that, um, example that you just gave with like this AI interpreter, uh, is, is something that I think is being worked on to some extent uh, by just simply educating cops about it. But ultimately, and this is a big ultimately, if you don't have a lot of guns in the street like you do in the States, I can understand the cops sort of taking a step in that direction and, and doing their best. But if everyone's armed and the cop is afraid for their life at all times, like, yeah, I don't. It's hard to, it's hard to, I mean, it's hard to, uh, I don't want to say blame, but it's hard to uh, not empathize with uh, just, you know, doing the, like reaching for your gun quickly. Wow, you would not, and I repeat, not be welcome in the progressive circles of Chicago or frankly, <laughs> anywhere in America right now. You are the is total what, public enemy number one with that Yeah, attitude. is this what got kicked you, what, what, um, annoyed that woman you told me about that like you eventually like left the party because of you oh yeah yeah i mean but not only that i mean this is this is sort of the latest hot topic of conversation is that the the left-wing side has gotten so extreme that even though i think conservatives has felt have felt this for for years if not decades and they you know a lot of conservatives live for basically taking down pc culture and um, you know, all things sort of espoused by the progressive side. There has been an unwillingness to debate and converse that has happened, I think, really since Trump in terms of like the next level. Um, and you're seeing more and more, I'm almost saying the word formally liberal or traditionally liberal people who are beginning to have second thoughts about where they are in society uh, in terms of who their friends are, what are they going to belong to the Democratic Party um, because of this, because mm. you being part of a conversation right now in, in any city in America, which is to say any kind of progressive place, which most of our cities are, um, you'd be ostracized. I find less and less people are willing to say, yeah, man, maybe the cops have something here or maybe, you know, whatever is considered the um, person causing the trouble, um, you know, going on in their side. So generally speaking, understanding people who don't get a vaccine is a big problem right now. Uh, mm -hmm. I think there is, uh, you know, we had a discussion this morning in our house about the, the last John Oliver show was dedicated to the vaccine. And it was yeah. all about how crazy people are that won't get the vaccine. Now, I'm vaccinated for you know, I, understandable reasons for those who have gotten vaccinated, but for those that don't, it was just like, uh, you know, he's just preaching to the choir, basically. Yeah. And he didn't really, and it's sort of why I really stopped watching him a long time ago. I was just kind of curious what his latest show was. Um, you know, it's like he just, he's just talking to other people who are, are like doppelgangers of himself. Yeah. And, and even if he's not, they're just going to edit the doppelgangers in. Correct. Like at least like like the Bill Maher show, like he always brings he always brings an opposing viewpoint on. I think 
he spends a lot of his show like wanting to hear himself talk and not always letting them have their points of view truly heard, but at least he gives them a chance. Um, and I think something like the, the John Oliver show, he's just, he's just putting down the other side. And some of it is very funny, but there's like, it's as if they have no real reason not to get vaccinated, right? Like everything they're saying is just ridiculous. Um, yeah. And so I think a lot of that is happening where, you know, you want to discuss, uh, maybe the cops have a reason. Like, I mean, the guy did have a gun in his hand and he was out at two o'clock in the morning and he was running away from them. Um, yeah. It wasn't like the dude was actually innocent. Should he have been shot in his back? Maybe not, but you know, why is no one talking about what, what that guy was doing? Um, right. if, you, if you have that conversation now, you are shut down, completely yeah. shut down. Like people won't even talk to you about it. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's a problem in the discourse. I, I agree. Is that in Amsterdam also? Yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know if it's Amsterdam or just like the, you know, the, the progressive PC culture that, that we both live in. Um, I think that's definitely a, a thing that happens um, is, is whether the, the conversation can happen uh, whether, I don't know. I was, I, I don't know if you heard about this, but I, I, I was fascinated. I think I, I may have mentioned it last time. I'm not sure, but uh, I was fascinated by the story of the science writer from the New York times who was, uh, who was fired. Do, do you remember this reading about this or this was recent? I, I, yes. I, I know only the, the very vague background. So for our listeners uh, in various parts that where they don't speak English, who's to say all of our listeners, <laughs> how about a little uh, brief background? Yeah, sure. So um, this is a guy who um, trying to um, get his name even just for the hell of it. Um, Let's call him uh, Joe Blow. <laughs> Let's call him Joe Blow. Or, uh, so uh, anyway, he was, uh, he was a writer uh, for the New York Times until recently. He was a writer there for a very long time. He was a writer there for um, like since 1976 or oh, something like that. Shit. Okay. Yeah, and he he was covering a lot of stuff, including uh, uh, the 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 like. Well, he was he was all over the world. He was like a classic old school reporter. He was in Africa. He was in Central America. He his name's Donald G. McNeil Jr. And did, um, did he cover eugenics? Because I think that's uh, very worthwhile. <laughs> I'm not sure. Probably. <laughs> that's definitely um, not allowed to be discussed. By the way, no eugenics stuff. <laughs> so uh, yeah. So apparently, a couple of years ago, he was on a trip to Peru with an American high school. Uh, obviously. Uh, pretty rich American high school uh, that can afford to go to Peru. Uh, and and pay a New York Times a science and writer. Pay a New York, exactly, yeah. I think he said he was making um, $300 a day hmm. uh, for this. Well, that's the median income of people in Peru, so that makes sense. <laughs> high cost of living. Uh, and, and he had been with the same high school a year before that. Apparently, it was a big success. His, his role was to sort of give three lectures at some point and then also be present for the meals and, and and have conversations with the kids same thing happened in 2019 except this time trouble uh trouble was a brewing uh by some of the things that he said um including using the n-word uh where he was how, how, just, how was it used i think it depends how oh, yeah, was it's a it great used. question it's a great was, question was he was um, he was he singing a song by a certain uh, <laughs> singer you know did yeah he, did, go ahead 
He was, uh, I mean, based on what I gather, and I, I, I read his full blog response to the firing. So it was like a, a pretty awesome read, I have to say. Like, he's a very good writer, like very, very good writer. And he takes a lot of notes. And it was just fascinating to read through it because to me, for me, it was the ultimate story of like the woke culture versus a different generation. Like, what's going on? Who's who's seeing this world in what way? And, uh, and, and, and is there a conversation happening or are people like shutting each other down on both ends? Well, the suspense, so, I got to tell you, the suspense is killing me. What is his context <laughs> of how he said it? Cause I, I'm going to admit to all our listeners here. I, I have no filter on my mouth ever, but there is only one word in the language I will not say. And that's it. Yeah. That is so, it. I, I don't this, say it in yeah. any context. Not even if you're like, I, I won't i won't i won't i won't even sing it in a song and, and i grew up loving a number of uh, hip-hop artists um no i i don't use it in, and not, not since i was a kid i've just something about it viscerally i've always it's like the way i think a lot of women feel about cunt um i i feel mm-hmm. about the n-word i i you know, I don't even I don't like saying N-word either because that also sounds lame. I just avoid <laughs> I like it's sort of like I play tennis sometimes and I have a shitty backhand and I always run around the backhand and only use the forehand. I do uh-huh. everything I can to just <laughs> avoid even coming to touch the word. It's just like this this thing yeah. with the cooties that I don't even want to bring up because sure, it, no matter yeah, how probably. I use it, it the, the N-word sounds ridiculous, but the word itself is so offensive that I'm like stuck. So I'm like, how do I stay away from that whole conversation? Yeah. Um, anyway, I'm well, excited. You know, Tell me what happened. It's, yeah. So it's so tricky because you kind of have to read through it because no one's using the actual word. They're using the N word and you don't know if they actually use the N word or they're using the word N word. Like you don't know. Sometimes you really have to kind of read between the lines to figure it out. So this is what I understood. Uh, one of the girls on this trip, she's like 15. She was having a conversation with them as they do in, in the, the lunch breaks. And, uh, and that conversation was about her and a friend of hers, sorry, a friend of hers, uh, who is Jewish. And she got, Did you say Jewish or Jewish? Jewish. No, okay, Jewish, uh, Jewish. And, uh, it was a friend of hers who's Jewish. Who's like 15, who got suspended from, I guess, her high school, um, because of a video that she made two, two or three years before that, when she was 12. And this video has her, a Jewish girl, uh-huh. uh, and a black girl uh-huh. making fun of each other. And the black girl calls the Jewish girl a kike. And oh, the whoa, girl, whoa, whoa, that's bullshit. <laughs> that's K-word. not acceptable. <laughs> no K-word. And then the Jewish girl uses the N-word on her. And oh. so this video came out a couple of years later and they're having fun. They're just having, you know, they're having a good time. No one's getting offended by this. They're, they're friends, but somehow the video was on social media and whatever, and it got released. And she, the Jewish girl got suspended. So this friend of the Jewish girl is asking this old school, old New York times writer, like, what's your opinion about this? Mm. And his response was, was the way he claims it to be is that he, he was trying to confirm what she said so he said to her she used wait she used and then he said the n-word he didn't say she used the n-word he actually said the n-word and that's where i'm like 
you know, I like that you're avo- you're avoiding it also, even in this conversation. You're not even well, you're not even born in America. You don't even have the weight. You're not burdened by the baggage of slavery like I am, and yet you are right. not use it. <laughs> it's such a ridiculous thing to kind of use it and, and to say this is where I'm using N word and N word. I mean, what what, what word what word in Dutch culture do you guys not say? Is there a word in Dutch that like no one says? Well, like, the the, the word. <laughs> I don't know because I mean again that's not fully my culture. I do know that um, up until fairly recently, like 15 years ago or so, uh, they were using the word Negro, which is Neger in Dutch, and uh, that was considered kind of normal. And then only about 15 or so years ago, it became there was like a, it started with maybe like a, a bit of a war. I think there was like a warning in the dictionary that said some people might consider this word offensive. Mm-hmm. And then now I think it's not being used anymore. There's even a uh, like a dessert candy that was called a, a Neherzunen, which means a Negro kiss up until recently. And then they changed its name to just kiss. And I think blacks probably benefited from that because if it tasted anything like black licorice, that tastes like that tastes like <laughs> shit in my opinion. And you don't want your racist kiss being associated with a crappy taste. Okay, so so yeah. what happened? So so we're back. We're back to the uh, science yeah. writer. He's actually using the N word. He's not saying N word. He's saying it in context of this girl's conversation, repeating back to her what happened. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and? you know, imagine an old man sort of saying, wait, wait, so hold on a second. So she said, and then he says it. And but but let, let, let's, let, let's, let's make sure that our listeners understand. There is probably a 50-50 chance he's attracted to the girl he's talking to. <laughs> Based on the fact that one, he's a newspaper reporter, and two, his age, and three, he's in the lunch break room of Peru, which probably is nothing more than, you know, a, a shack of some sort in the jungle. <laughs> um, maybe. I don't know. He didn't mention that part. Uh, Let's assume he had a chubby, but it wasn't fully, <laughs> fully there yet. I, you know, I will give him the benefit of the doubt on that one. Um, oh. But uh, <laughs> you, you, you can, you can share your benefits all you want, but I'm, I'm going to keep the doubts. All right, no worries. That's okay. understandable. Um, anyway, that that was one example, you know, where I think, you know, where he was basically, you know, presenting his. Uh, there were other, there were other moments, uh, other things like. Uh, apparently he was telling people about uh, this tradition in South Africa called the, uh, I think it's called the Coon Carnival. So another Mm -hmm. offensive word. Uh, And apparently this tradition in South Africa is, um, is actually uh, black people uh, in, or who are, who are, I think they're called colored people in South Africa um, who, who actually put on white face. Uh, and the um, it, this was a con- this was a bit of a conversation about I think about cultural appropriation, mm-hmm. another another very uh, sensitive issue these days. And, and to be clear, uh, all all of this happened on this one trip. Yeah, all of this happened on this one trip, and this happened two years ago. And mm-hmm. and then and then this uh, beautiful blog post that he he wrote. I'll send you the link to it so you can uh, maybe I, I think you'll find it really really fascinating because it's okay. again it's written in a in the style of writing that's just so well, do well you, written. You know, do you think he needs a job by the way? Because we could use a science reporter, so we could actually <laughs> we can get him on staff. We we could try we could try to get him on staff. Let's see. I I my guess is he'll be fine because first of all he's 
he's old and he can just go into into a pension probably but uh <laughs> but uh but I, I think he'll probably he can find whatever outlet to write for he seems like a a, a competent writer who just needs to be on uh, let's say more conservative uh forms of media well if he's um, listening if he's listening we're open to people using the n-word as long as it's not us <laughs> We don't want to say it. If you say it, you're espousing your own views, and that's fine. We're just not going to repeat it. Yeah, we will repeat it maybe if we have to by saying you use the N word. We right. won't actually say the N word. And only you will um, do that part. I won't even do that part. <laughs> you'll just completely hit the forehand on that. No backhand. Only forehand. Um, <laughs> so, uh, well, anyway, it's it, that. So, the, so he was just talking about you know how cultural appropriation is is an interest you know it's an interesting argument because in his opinion you know all cultures evolved by uh, connecting with other cultures and taking on other cultures so he took the philosophical argument to a more extreme version saying well does that mean Italians shouldn't use uh, pasta because it was invented by the Chinese does that mean you know and uh, going going a bit further with it. Um, and, and he was mentioning this, this, this uh, extreme example, another, you know, and I think that's where he does come in handy because he has so much experience where he was in Africa, in South Africa, and they have this thing called the Coon Carnival, which is, in fact, based on a minstrel show that came to South Africa and then was adopted by the, 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 the not the natives, but well, maybe the natives, the, the, but not the white people, the, 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 the black people there. And, and it's kind of a tradition that still goes on. And in some cases, they even put on a uh, white face. Uh, so is that not, is that good or is that bad or whatever? And apparently like, you know, mentioning these words uh, for, uh, as, as you said, you know, is, it's, it's so viscerally uh, uh, offensive to some people uh, that, um, that some people got really offended and there was a kind of like a, 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 a situation afterwards where they uh, tried to get him to apologize for what he was saying, not during the trip, but afterwards. And uh, he basically wouldn't apologize. He just oh, didn't want to apologize. Yeah. On one hand, it's good for him. On the other hand, so I was, so I'll just tell you this, which is I was fascinated by the story. I found it very, very interesting because I read the original, there was a Daily Beast article and then his whole process of you know how this went on and, and and him defending himself and doing it very well and then i sent it to another friend who is very big on uh, diversity and inclusion and i was just like you know i'm very I, 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 got, I gotta ask how is this friend big on diversity and inclusion like what does that mean um it Are they the kind of person that, like if you're if you're sort of like a, a homeless limbless midget and you show up to their picnic in the park they're going to be like, come on, come join us, have whatever you want. Like, how, how, how are they inclusive? Uh, well, they, I, I don't know the answer to that. I think they are, well, they are, first of all, they do a lot of work with refugees. So they are extremely inclusive. I'm really above and beyond kind of work with uh, refugees. Um, I would like to get, this, I'd like to get this person on the show because I want to, <laughs> I want to test them to see how inclusive they are by putting out different scenarios to see if they would actually include that person in whatever they're doing. I think they would probably not enjoy that game. Uh, <laughs> which is which is further proof that they're not really inclusive. They just like to well, be associated I, with the inclusive universe. I don't know. Um, but but anyway, I do think this person is very inclusive. I mean, certainly okay. compared to me uh, by all means. 
And I think this person has been uh, educating themselves a lot in the past few years and reading a lot of books and, and doing a lot of research on on this topic. And so I, I do, and I, I really like this person also, and I do trust what what she has to say. So I was very interested in, in her oh, opinion it's a, on it's this. A, it's a she. Do you have any kind it's of romantic, she, yeah. in, romantic interest it's, in no, this no, person? No, no, no. She's, she's a friend from a long time ago, and she's, she's, uh, she's married to another close friend of mine in New York. And uh, no, I, it's just... I do really uh, value her opinion. Okay. And so I, I sent her uh, the, the article and she indeed like totally like, lo- like, you know, she read the whole thing from, from start to finish. Cause again, it's, it's written so well. And, but, but her take was completely the opposite. She was very instantly anti everything that he wrote uh, and was, you know, basically saying it's just an old fart who probably couldn't shut up. And certainly didn't have the humility to just, you know, understand that some people might find uh, certain words offensive. And ultimately, perhaps this whole thing could have been avoided if he just had that uh, humility about him and would would actually like accept that other people view certain things differently and uh, and actually could get offended. But ultimately, and so so I found that very fascinating. And ultimately, I'll say that. Um, the uh, that that for me this was a very interesting example of um first of all how the headlines end up um diluting the story into a headline so the the the, the media has the tendency of diluting a story into a headline which they have like, to do because that's how the news works they have to do it and and just like we had in our conversation right now like you're immediately like well how did you use the n-word um, that obviously wasn't the only fault of the what, trip. Like, let me ask you, what would, it, what would it look like, by the way, to, to read a newspaper without headlines? <laughs> hey, I want to go to story eight. Let's go check out story eight. That's going to be an interesting one. And then like you're like yeah. three, three paragraphs in like, I don't give a fuck about disappearing caterpillars in Bolivia. The yeah. fuck? I would never have read this. And then you're like, we should, we should start a newspaper with headlines. Everybody would love to read a newspaper with headlines. Yeah. absolutely but i think those are the kind of arguments that are happening like some things intrinsically like they they have to be there um you know people very disparaging like well that's clickbait but i mean isn't a headline traditionally essentially clickbait yeah i mean uh, well the the you know the the origins of the headline is uh do you know the origins of the headline i'm ready no it's um it's apparently, I believe, the origins were uh, the Civil War in the U.S. and yes, reason, America, fuck yeah. yes, America. And the reason why they did it is because uh, the telegraph system uh, would cut out, and so you'd have to start with the most important thing. So you'd have to boil down the story into a headline, and then you know, and then like slowly telegraph the rest of the story out. But that's why. Typically, there's a headline, there, there might be a log line underneath the headline, and then there's the actual story. And the way articles are framed uh, are a result of uh, bad communication uh, or good communication that was sometimes spotty during a war. Well, I, I got to tell you, with a declining attention span, I'm very thankful to whoever invented that in our civil war. Because <laughs> yeah. I find that there's, I, I have about two to three newspapers a day that I'll look at, and I don't read a single article. I read nothing more than the headline and the log line below it, and I'm done. Yeah. Because I feel like I get it. I get the story. That's cool. I'm, I don't need to know anymore. Yeah. By the way, just <laughs> FYI, 
I sent you the um, uh, this uh, blog post by Donald G. McNeil Jr., which I just emailed to you on April 21st. So you also have received it. Would you, like, would you like me to read it live on the air? No, no this, you don't need to. <laughs> but just so you know, you have it both in your WhatsApp and in your email. Oh, you read this. Oh, oh, you just sent it again here. Yeah. Mm. I wonder what he sounds like. He looks like the kind of guy that was probably a science reporter. Yeah. Oh, man, this is very technical. This story is not even very interesting to read in his own voice. No, no, I wouldn't read it right now. But I mean, uh, I would just say uh, I think it's a I think you will oh. find it a very interesting. I, I uh, see uh, early uh, on in one of the first paragraphs, he references Watergate as if what he's involved in somehow is near the levels of Watergate. Um, <laughs> that alone shows me a bit of sense of cockiness. Uh, yes, yeah. 3.4K clapping hands. Um, that seems like not a lot. Not a lot of people are clapping. <laughs> it's well, it's, it is a blog post, so who knows? These are just things I'm picking up just from quickly looking at it, but I'm not going to read it, I promise. No. Oh. And then he uses the word jackal. This is going to be a very ugly story. Uh, <laughs> he used the word jackal twice in the same sentence. Watergate, all this is happening in the first few paragraphs. Then he's calling someone a daily beast. This is going to be tough. <laughs> I don't know if I can get through this. All right. Well, well. try, try. You'll see. Um, <laughs> yeah, anyway, um, so that's, uh, how do we get there? Um, how do we get anywhere in this show? We... <laughs> We like to go out there. I still been trying to get back to something we brought up in the very beginning, and we've somehow found a way to get way, way down the fucking road. And I think that's nice. I think that's what our listeners, uh, again, all of whom uh, seem to not speak English, uh, appreciate. Yeah. You know, it helps them get on with their day in a way that is uh, very fluid and might not otherwise be. I agree. I, agree. I mean, I, I know we started talking uh, about you know, we early on about some mass mass shootings and, uh, you know, people that doing this and the sort of why they might be doing it and uh, getting into guns, policing, eventually discrimination. And early, early on with that conversation, I was actually thinking, you know, these people, we talked about the, the people, these people that kind of hit this ultimate depression and sort of looking for some kind of acknowledgement, fame, recognition. So they do these horrific acts with maybe even a hope that um, they may get a few followers, so to speak, right? Um, mm -hmm. And then somehow we branched off into all these other things. I was actually wondering back in that part of the conversation, if a way we could help them uh, would be to sort of, uh, you know, give them what they want in a way, in, in a way, right? So, you know, a lot of times it, it, the people just don't have any friends. Um, like it, it'd be almost cool to have like, you know, these organizations that basically had like <laughs> free friends, <laughs> like, you know, people who were sort of like the ultimate, um, I, I don't know, lack of better word, jack of all trades, just someone who could sort of parrot or mimic socially anybody so that you can, instead of Facebook or whatever, you know, dark 4chan, you know, chat room you're in, you'd have like a real person you can connect to and uh, maybe start like a relationship. I was thinking about the incels, you know, these guys, the ones who are basically pissed that they can't get laid. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think a couple of them are responsible for some of these uh, mass shootings. That one's they're easy. called incels? Incels, yeah. They, uh, they're basically taking this, 
involuntary celibacy. You know, they're they're basically celibate, but they kind of blame uh, society for them not getting laid. I think their manifesto is a bit deeper, but I, I'm you know that's kind of what it comes to. I mean, how, why would we not just let them get laid? Why not find it? Why not basically just provide? you know, sexual services for all the people of our countries who are, you know, experiencing uh, some kind of, you know, pent up issues that uh, could be solved with a, a quick little release. Yeah. I mean, it's such a simple, well, I mean, it's such a simple solution. And, and, and unfortunately, the Puritan nature of the, of the, of the America will never allow for that. But uh, for example, in the Netherlands, they actually do have this service for, I believe, um, uh, mentally challenged people. Yeah, I mean, and, and a lot of I think what we're realizing is that there are severe mental challenges with many of these people that engage in, in the sort of more horrific or, or mass shootings. Um, you know, in, in the States, you might be familiar with Andrew Yank, he's sort of a, yep. you know, one ticket item guy who now is running for mayor of New York. On, yep. uh, you know, I don't know what really kind of platform, but I think he could use his name to be like, Andrew Yang, it's not only a name, it's what I do. And he, that could be his thing. He could provide basically a Yang service where everyone can get a Yang. A, uh, is, is, is Yang really a thing? I think I would, a- I, yeah, I would, I would, instead of, well, it's really Yank. I am, I am, instead Yank. of, okay. we, we use the word anglicizing names. I'm Asianizing. I'm Asianizing <laughs> the American word Yank to mean Yang. And I think if Andrew Yang offered a Yang, for anybody who needed one, that could be a system that might work around the world. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would get him, that would get him elected. You know, plus that the, the fact the, that he has a lot of money. And a lot of money. Well, no one knows exactly why, but uh, <laughs> he's got a very catchy name. I think his name alone, just like Trump, um, I'm a big believer in names. Names help you. Oh, yeah. Yang is the Trump of Asia. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yang you know, Tower, the, Yang Hotel, Yang. The, the caucus never had a prayer. I don't know why somebody didn't tell him back in '88. Don't run. No one's going to vote for you because your name is just too out there. Yeah. Oh my God. Terrible name. You know, I, I think even I think even Obama. Obama. That's a pretty cool name, Obama. Yeah. You know, but if his if his name was more truly Kenyan, like Obama Fufu or something. I don't think yeah, no, work. no chance. No, no one's gonna vote. The name, the name does count. It, it no, can't no one be wants too weird. President Obama Fufu. <laughs> think about it. We think about the past American elections. Like we rarely have somebody who really makes it far with a, a more ethnic or non-traditional sounding name. Yeah, what we had, uh, Budacic was the. The closest again, Buddha Judge had no chance. That name is so no fu- so fucked up. And then the fact that he's gay and the root of his name is butt, like he yeah, was no, he was fucked. Doesn't work. Yeah. You can't be gay and have butt in your name. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, how about how about the Dutch politicians? Are they are they, uh, they name centric or is it you can have any kind of crazy fucking Dutch name and they'll vote for you? Well, I, I haven't gotten like the I think the, the way people treat names here is a bit different. So, uh, you know, the last names are really strange here. Like they, um, uh, some Dutch people, uh, like they, they, they had to, last names were forced on people by the Napoleonic um, occupation. Okay. It was like a French system of registration and people who had first names 
suddenly had to get last names. And uh, to show their opposition of that, uh, they would, um, so, so practically speaking, most people just said, okay, uh, you know, if I'm from, uh, from this part of the, the country, then that's my last name from this part of the country. And uh, that's why a lot of the last names are very, very similar here. Um, but, uh, but some people really like to have fun with it. So they were like, uh, I don't know, I was born naked. That's my last name. And is, there, is, there really, is there a Dutch surname that means born naked? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's yeah. fucking funny. Yeah. Or, uh, or like there's a, I don't know, I'm just thinking of like there's a, a TV personality here whose last name is Carrot Farmer. That's totally normal. Um, because that's how you were, that's how you were identified uh, beforehand. Oh, that, that's the carrot farmer. So that became the last name. What, 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 uh, what, is the, what is the Dutch word for the person whose name is the naked person? Uh, I think it's like nachtgeboren or something like that. Nachtgeboren. So if you mean a nachtgeboren, they're basically someone in their family lineage was like, fuck this system. I'm just going to make up something stupid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Right, well, let's, get, let's get them on the show. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, uh, yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah, and sometimes you run into those people and it's just like, for me, I always like raise a bit of an eyebrow because it's, you know, as a person who's not native to this language, like I'll, I'll like read it for the first time. And it's just like, it, there's a, you know, it surprises you because you're like, what, I'm supposed to be reading a name and not like a, a, a state of being or whatever. Uh, so it's just kind of a surprise. But to them, it's not a surprise. No one like giggles because that that happens. Like they don't even think about it. I think it's just very normal. Well, what are the what are the roots of the many of the last names you find in uh, your in your homeland uh, of birth, the small country nestled on the Mediterranean? <laughs> uh, I, I you know it's like I was thinking about it the other day. Like, what are the? It, do you think uh, just to just to respond with a quick question, but not to ignore it? <laughs> what, what are, yes, and. I, the most the most popular last names in America are, do you think they're still like Smith yes. yeah, Jones John pretty I'm pretty sure the last time I saw Lopez. an article about it it's still kind of those classic English names or yeah. slaveholding names yeah okay yeah in in uh, this country is very similar to the countries around it there's a lot of um, son of I mean that's okay that's, that's kind of common uh, son of whatever son of usually uh another name but the uh, son of name. does that does that go back thousands of years like the son of which part of the generation removed yeah good question um i think in arab cultures at least in i don't know what it is formally but informally it's always the actual son of a person uh whereas in uh jewish culture it yeah that that person was at some point in time like a long time ago in the case of my my own uh father i mean he just moved there and changed his name so so he is the son of you know who he's named after but i am the son of actually the grandson of um yeah so uh so that's that's one thing and i i guess there's i don't know where did the last names come from like uh well i, I recall questions. hearing from people uh jewish people uh, the last name cohen allegedly goes back to the Kohanes, like are all the That's Cohens right. part of like right. the, the lost tribe of uh, Israel or some shit? Yeah, yeah. Of... So Cohen and Levine are, are some of the most popular names. Cohen uh, means, uh, yeah, exactly. You were, you're in this tribe that uh, 
or this uh, holy sect part of the, 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 the population. And you're not even allowed, in theory, to go into a cemetery, actually. They are not allowed to. I don't know how it works because it's a very popular last name. And so I'm sure when someone dies, they do go to the cemetery. Uh, for uh, people who came out of, uh, you know, let's say Europe or Western Europe, they usually came with last names. Uh, some of them uh, made them uh, Hebrewicized them. Yeah. And for those coming from... Um, uh, like, uh, like, like the Sephardic Jews, I think they also, oh, the Sephardic. I love the Sephardic. but, but sometimes, I mean, one of the more popular last names is Mizrahi, which means literally like Easterner. Uh, so I wonder if that's a name they changed into, or that was actually their name when they moved to Israel. I don't know. I just love hot Sephardic Jews. And your your last name, uh, without going into it, was um, kind of like Americanized. It, 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 so it was, it was, yeah, like, it was, it was anglicized from us. I finally just learned this a few years ago from a slightly longer version of the name that was Russian-ish, uh, Russian-Ukrainian. What if the um, what if the original like what the, the the Ukrainian version was also Ukrainianized? from like, uh, I don't know, an Austrian version or something. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what all the people that get into uh, ancestry research try to figure out. I mean, I'd love to know that. Um, I just refuse to keep paying Ancestry.com to learn nothing. <laughs> I think we've done like, I don't know, 30 podcasts and you've mentioned Ancestry.com in like five of them. Which, which, <laughs> which means that I'm getting paid again. Thank, thank you, Ancestry. The, you've kind of blown my cover. The idea was it's supposed to come up naturally to get people's interest, <laughs> never as an actual promotion. Um, it's an interesting promotion because it's always very negative towards them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, have you done much ancestry research? It's kind of uh, a bit difficult. I haven't, but there's always someone in the family who does. And I actually have the email with the, uh, the research, at least on my dad's side so I, I i have seen the research did i ever tell speaking of, of the ancestry research during my like month-long foray into it did i ever tell you about who i think is like a family stalker tell you about this guy was this the guy in seattle uh no that was someone i turns out i am related to but this this person um he was like the i have a very very small family and a very uncommon name and there was like nothing on ancestry and this one person turns out had a tree and somehow found me and was like, yeah, I'm your cousin through such and such. And I was like, oh, dude, that sounds really fucking interesting. And he seemed like a bright guy. And, uh, you know, we started engaging in conversation and, and I was figuring out how, you know, he, he was connected. And, uh, and he had pictures of like my, my grandpa's uh, tombstone, like he got into shit. Um, and I talked to my dad about it. And the person he claimed was our lineage. My dad's like, no that person has no relation to us. Like here are the people that related to my dad and that, and like, I know them, it's a small family, blah, blah, blah. And I traced it again and tried to check through another family member and they confirmed what my dad said. And when I told, when I told this guy who, again, educated American dude, um, very earnest. And he basically politely was like, no, no, that, that, that's not true. Like, you know, my mom's I took this trip and met so-and-so and I'm like, no, that, that never happened because they don't have any family there. So we're basically at loggerheads. And this guy was trying to convince me that he's part of my family. 
And my own family uh-huh. is like, no, no one he's saying is connected to us is actually in our family. So I, I had to block him. I had to actually block this guy who kept sending me links to new family that he found. But I can't <laughs> trust I can't trust him because the link in common, no one in my actual family can verify. So this guy has now basically bastardized our name on Ancestry. So if you go look for it, I have this huge, huge family tree connected to all these people who have no actual biological connection to my family. Amazing. <laughs> but because he found a link that he's convinced is connected. And, and I tried to like send him a cease and desist order in a very nice way. Like, look, dude, <laughs> these people are not known to my family. And he was just like, nope, they are. And that was it. And I can't do anything about it. It sounds like the reverse. Uh, it sounds like the same thing that like monarchy does probably or used to do at some point in time, right? Like, well, actually, they're connected to this person and then you get a crown. Yeah, I mean, we're all connected to the same fucking gorilla. So if I want to go that route, like we could do it. But I mean, going back 100 years, you got I mean, isn't that weird to have like a have a stalker of your name? Yeah, that is weird. I mean, imagine also- I'm, Go ahead. It would also be funny to see that family tree and at the top of it, there actually is a gorilla. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I guess this ties this, this ties us up for the show today. But going back to the you know original, if you, if you saw your doppelganger, uh, you know, if someone does co-opt your family name and you're really into them, like, you're like, holy shit, these people are fucking smart and rich and attractive. You're like. I don't got to tell anybody we're not truly connected and you just kind of jump on. I think that's cool. But what happens when the people who've co-opted your name, like you're totally disgusted by them. Maybe they use the N word all the time and they put it in their actual writings. (laughs) How do you get rid of them? Yeah. You can't because ancestry has a monopoly. And you're certain this guy's wrong. Certain. As certain as my own family members could be, which is to say probably not a hundred percent, sir. Okay. There's no other way to check it, huh? I, you know, uh, is there, can, um, wait, isn't there some semen, trick to, like com- compare semen? You can you could do that. Uh, yeah. Isn't there another trick of like, I don't know, looking up the like registration of the ships at Ellis Island if you go to like the Ellis Island website? Or I, I, I found that, yeah, for my immediate family and for my grand, great, uh, sorry, great grandparents. Um, yeah. I have that on one side. I mean, I guess I could just, you know, challenge him to a 23 and me like that mm. uh, business drop 23 oh, and me off where we both send in our uh, DNA swaps and see if we have any connection. <laughs> that could be fun. Should I, should, I, should I record that? I'll get him on tape and I'll challenge him over the phone. Like you think you're, <laughs> you think you're part of my fucking family, buddy. Let's go <laughs> on the count of three. We're going to send our DNA at the same time and we're going to find this, out. In- yeah, and it's exactly this type of invitation, which is why American cops are pulling their guns out so quickly. Oh, I would definitely pull a gun on this guy. <laughs> if, if I if I did a DNA test with him and he still refused to take down the lineage to my family name on Ancestry, I, I would have to get my license because I, I, I am still somewhat progressive. So I would abide by the law and get a license uh, and then uh-huh. I'd, go, I'd go and I'd shoot him. <laughs> but but not in the head because i'm not that kind of person i would do no. like a no, i would do like a like a pussy shot nah, i would i'd probably miss and i'd graze him um mm-hmm. because my aim would not be very good but i think just be, being approached by me with the gun would be enough to hopefully get him to take down the uh, family tree mm. anybody like you that's uh, been stalking your family uh i i'm not aware of them but maybe well 
for a free trial for a free trial membership, you could join Ancestry. <laughs> and uh, and you can find out. Really, I'm serious. You just uh, you sign up. It's very easy. It's uh, it's like two simple steps. You just uh, put in your name and email address. They do take a credit card, but don't worry. They don't charge you for the first 30 days. <laughs> I can't believe they're paying you so much money to uh, sort of give this advertisement. Nah, it's, not, it's not actually money. Compensation is being done otherwise. <laughs> and again, if you didn't hear me the first time, there is no payment whatsoever for the first 30 days. None, none at all. <laughs> at all. Just make sure that your credit card is active. You have the actual security code and the correct zip code and billing address. Yeah. Um, there's a few waivers you have to sign. It's hard to read the print. Don't worry about it. Just click OK and uh, close out the screen. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that about wraps up our show for today. Uh, any final words you want to send to our listeners in Mauritius? Um, well, first of all, I, I feel like uh, an apology maybe is needed because this was a very uh, America-focused episode. We didn't discuss any of the Mauritian news that were happening. Uh, that is happening right now, the Ramadan, all sorts of stuff. By the way, happy Ramadan, uh, safe, safe Ramadan to everyone. Uh, so maybe next next time we could uh, go into more detail about uh, just events and things that are happening there. Yeah, I, th I think that would be nice. There's, uh, there's, there's some issues going on when the, uh, in the farming community. And uh, I believe that uh, genetically modified crops have once again been approved um a few people from america are there protesting and uh, i think we should cover that excellent <laughs> okay and with that uh, we'll see you uh, next week or tomorrow or in uh, five minutes depending on when you click on the next podcast uh, please support our sponsors and don't forget enter in your actual credit card number and everything will be okay <laughs> first 30 days are free <laughs>